Glad to have you in. This is the Man with the Plan podcast, episode 53. Guys, as always, thank you for all the support that you continue to give the show, continue to give the podcast. It means the world. You guys are really helping us reach 3,500 listeners closer and faster than I ever could have imagined. What a weekend it was for sports in general. You had a little bit of everything for everybody. You had controversy. You had trauma. You had playoffs. You had regular season. You had one of the greatest fights. A lot of people would say they've seen in years. A certain New Yorker wanted me to shout out the uh, Fury-Wilder match. A great win by Fury. I think the great thing with boxing and just that sport in general is the presentation and how they get that sport to line up. You get personalities and you're pretty much golden at that point. I love to be able to just sit down and watch a pay-per-view and it's a really good fight. I think that it makes the payoff a little more worth it. And I think that boxing and the MMA and WWE... That whole presentation aspect, I think a lot of sports could learn from. It's really fun to watch. And I really shout out to Dante Wilder, Deontay Wilder, and Tyson Fury. Great fighters. And ultimately, Fury takes round three. College football was insane this weekend. You had an insane weekend with the NFL. You had baseball playoffs, the Red Sox. Two straight walk-off wins. Really great baseball if you're a guy that doesn't really listen or watch a lot of baseball stuff. The playoffs is the time to see it. It's the time to live it. Someone, especially like me, who's wanting to learn more baseball and be more involved in that sport, especially when you got a brother-in-law coming to town that's going to be a big baseball guy. My dad played baseball in high school. I think it's more of a sport that I need to appreciate more, and I'm really looking forward to learning more of that. So this podcast, I had a draft ready to go. And then Monday hit. And Monday night, if you guys aren't aware, it's Tuesday night as I'm recording this. I just got back from fall break. My brain is pretty much having to reset itself for a couple days of classes before I have to head back for another weekend. And so I had the plan to address what was going on with John Gruden. And it's really tough when you're a small podcaster. I've got a great audience. I love my love my people who will listen to the show. I love what I do. And you really struggle to figure out how do you add your voice into a conversation that's pretty much as negative as it can get right now. The whole situation, we're not going to get into the details of the emails, the whole situation with what happened. It's tough. It's really saddening for a guy in Gruden who was one of my favorite personalities. He was a great guy. My uh, great coach, a great aspect of football that we love to see return for the last couple of years. And I think a lot of people, the, the word to say is sadness, is that a lot of people are disappointed. It's a really strange turn of events. The email, the first email leaked this week, and the, the Raiders came out and played pretty poorly on Sunday. And for me, to see what has transpired, I asked my mom, how do I add myself to this conversation without sounding controversial with like, cause you don't want to get too involved but at the same time. I wanted to use my unique platform and my voice to just kind of address the situation in the best way I can. What are the Raiders going to do from here? I don't know. They have their interim head coach set up. Ideally, I think the Raiders should go after the enemy the OC of the Chiefs, potentially uh, Brian Lefwich, the OC of Tampa, maybe a couple college coaches. I mean, we've seen that transition somewhat work. 
A lot of que- a lot of more questions than answers from the whole Gruden situation. A failed experiment. Uh, unable to get his team to the playoffs, but really an unfortunate situation. If you guys have anything to take from this, it's be careful. I don't mean to be a mom. I don't mean to be a parent. Be careful. This stuff can come back to bite you in years. I. It's terrible what happened. It's awful what he said. It's awful what has transpired. But if you can take anything from this, it's just be careful. Because you never know who's reading it. You never know who's going to watch. And you never know who's going to listen. So just be careful. And to address another coach with the same situation, if you don't want to be a distraction, then get out. With Urban Meyer, what he did was childish, immature, and I think the both I think Gruden ended up doing the right thing in the end and said, I don't want to be a distraction. I don't want this to drag on. I don't want this to turn into some suspension fiasco. I'm going to dip out, and I'm going to go. So I really respect that from him. And for Urban, it's the same situation. I have the same feelings. Inappropriate. Not really the best thing for an NFL head coach. I think he needs to dip out maybe after the season, maybe sooner. Unfortunate for Trevor Lawrence, who's looking really, really better. He is improving week in, week out. He's really made a lot of great throws. Showed a lot more understanding with his offense that Jacksonville's trying to bring to the table. But I think that it's just two unfortunate situations. If you guys can take anything from this little opening rant, it's just be careful. So we're going to move on to a more positive note, and I just want to quickly get that out the way. College football this weekend was utterly insane. If you have any takeaway from that, it's that the drama there was ridiculous. I want to start first start out with just a spectacular Saturday. I want to start with Ole Miss and Arkansas. So the Ole Miss-Arkansas game, and you're going to hear more about this on my new show, Cover 2, hosted with Patrick Neal. Check it out. It's on Tiger Vision. We're going to go into more detail. The SEC is becoming a whole brand new slate of football. I think it's become more finesse. It's become more offense, more points. The SEC does a great job of adapting to whatever the game is now. The early 2010s, it was defense, it was hard-nosed football, it was physicality. Now, it's more points, it's more finesse, it's more can you outscore your guy. It's become more like the Big 12. And with the additions of Oklahoma and Texas... I think that's the SEC's trajectory moving forward. I think good on Alabama, good on Ole Miss, good on Arkansas for seeing that and being able to get ahead on the times. And Georgia is the team that doesn't really closely resemble that mantra or mix right now, but I think they'll eventually pick up on that, and I think they would be more explosive with the Pickens. But their defense has shown otherwise that they really need to be explosive right now. They have one of the better defenses in the country, and... As you continue to move on and football becomes more of an offensive game, I think that the SEC has evolved with that. There was a more emphasis on the run, and now there's more of an emphasis on the pass with the evolution of Tua. You have Corral, you got Mac Jones, you have KJ Jefferson, Johnny Manziel. I can list a ton of SEC quarterbacks, Tim Tebow, that really changed how the SEC and that type of football is played as a whole. The game as a whole was awesome. You had... Two insanely great quarterbacks, Kaiji Jefferson, Matt Corral, duel it out. I respect the two-point conversion call. I think you got to go for it at that point. You can't play around with an Ole Miss team that could drop. Really, they would probably score on every possession they had in overtime. I don't think Arkansas could necessarily do that or match it, which is why Pittman wanted to go for the win. 
Got nothing to lose. I respect the call. It was gutsy, and it was out there. I really, really liked it. I think for uh, Ole Miss, they're not necessarily playoff contenders, but they're close. And they looked like a team that really rebounded after a tough loss against Alabama. I mean, they got their butts kicked. It was it was brutal. And I really liked the way that they responded. I really liked the way that they showed their maturity on the field. It was really fun. Like, if you could take anything away from this weekend is that it was really freaking fun. You just got to sit on the couch and you got to enjoy a lot of football. You love to see that. And I love to see that from their presentation on ESPN, ABC, CBS, Fox, wherever it was. You knew that there was going to be a good football game this weekend. And I never have no note, Caleb Williams comes out of nowhere and leads Oklahoma against Texas. It was, I, I went through a roller coaster of emotions with Texas this weekend because for, for 30 minutes I thought they were back. 30 minutes I didn't think they were back. 30 minutes I thought they were back. And then they get the final play scored on them, and then I'm like, okay, they are for sure not back this time. I'll check in again in three weeks. I love, <laughs> I love it. I love going on the Twitter timelines and just seeing the utter anger from the Texas... <laughs> Just the Texas timeline. Shout out to Matthew McConaughey. I'm feeling for you, but I think Sark's got the team going in the right direction. They're playing with a certain sense of urgency. Casey Thompson is a fantastic quarterback. Bijan Robinson is a potential Heisman candidate. Do what? All right. This is the big question, though, from the game. What in the heck is Spencer Rattler going to do? I don't know. I genuinely don't know. He is, he is unpredictable. He is unpredictable as a player. He could have a great game, and then one day he has a good game. You really can never tell with him. I think that he's a great presence on the field. He brings a great energy. Sometimes I think he's a little sloppy, a little careless with the football, and it kind of reflects in his personality. I think he's just that kind of guy, like a Zach Wilson or a Johnny Manziel, a guy that's a little more loose with the football, likes to create plays, more of a traditional pocket passer, though. But when he has his moments, he has his moments, good and bad. So we'll see where that Spencer Rattler story takes us as the college football season progresses. But it's something to look out for. It's very interesting to see. Oklahoma might have found themselves their playoff spark with Caleb Williams. Oklahoma, a team that has not impressed me at all this year, finally looked like the team that they were supposed to look like. Offensive firepower with Lincoln Riley. It looked like Lincoln Riley was comfortable with making new calls and making new certain adjustments. I think that Oklahoma as a fan base, as long as their defense can hold up and play like did when the offense was struggling, I think that's a dangerous team that could potentially match up well against Georgia. But on the other hand, I don't know if anyone can match up with Georgia. Another point of emphasis this weekend was that Alabama went down and went down in flames. So Texas A&M, a team that got whooped by Mississippi State, was thoroughly beat upon. Alabama... so I'm going to shout out a couple friends. I went to Boone Hall this weekend. If anybody knows what that is, it's a fright night in Charleston, South Carolina. And it was fun. I was scared. I was pop scared. But at the same time, I was anxious because I was watching the whole game from my phone in the lines and just seeing a team in Alabama that was unable to get off the field on third down, a team that kept getting pummeled, kept getting stopped, Bryce Young looked uncomfortable for the first time all year. His typical mastery of the short game and the RPO looked almost non-existent. I really liked what Jimbo Fisher did, his strategy, what his game plan was moving forward. I think you got to respect AM. You love to see them rush the field. 2021, whole new thing. I, I think that Alabama, 
it brings up an interesting point. Does it take the pressure off or does it make their sense of urgency a little more heightened? Because now the playoff is not as a sure it's not a sure shot as it was before. Cuz the pretty the standard was if Georgia and Alabama went into the SEC Championship at 1 and 2 that they would stay that way and both would make the playoff regardless of the outcome of the game. You got to say does Alabama not make the playoff as a two-loss SEC team? I don't think so because this year is so unique. you got so many different teams that probably will end up taking care of themselves. But I think that there's just not enough room for Alabama this year in a year where there's a lot of really great teams. And I know you Clemson fans are thinking to yourselves, if we had lost, had not lost to NC State, I think we'd still be in it. I think you're very much correct. But I think Clemson's on a really different path. I'm going to make a prediction now. I have faith in Clemson football for the rest of the year. I think they win the ACC. I think they turn around. But back to Bama. I think that Bama is a team without an identity on defense. Their secondary struggle to make stops and create turnovers. It was very uncharacteristic of a Nick Saban team. And now that mantra against assistance is finally gone. 24-1. and Didn't think I'd say that in my lifetime, it seemed. Nick Saban just seemed so dominant against his former assistants, his protégés. It was great to see. And I think the rest of the country kind of responded in that way. They love to see a Bama loss, and it's a great story. Okay, we're going to take a short break real quick. I just wanted to cover the college football madness, just the couple games that I really wanted to see. We're going to skip the Georgia conversation for now. We're going to bring on a guest soon. We actually had to switch to next week so that certain events could play out, and that for her, it would not be as stressful because I did not want to put that on my guests. I want to keep my guests happy. So... You will see her next week for a Georgia segment. We're going to talk that next week in episode 54. But when when I return, I'm going to give you my Super Bowl favorite. And I'm going to give you my reasons why and why I didn't ever expect it. This is the Man With The Plan podcast. Stay tuned and we'll be right back. This is Man With The Plan podcast, episode 53. We're glad to have you in. It should be a Wednesday morning or Wednesday afternoon as you're listening to this. Hope you're doing well. Hope classes are going well if you're a student. Hope everything is fine in your day and in your week. So, the NFL. Another day, another great round of football. I love just... So let me set the scene, let me set the scene for you for this weekend. Clemson was so gracious as to give us a fall break. So I got to turn off my brain, not worry about any assignments or labs or college or anything like that. Just sit there unannounced, unattended. Don't eat anything. Just give me some food every now and then. And let me just watch football. And I just want to tell you my general impressions of this week. I mean, there's a lot going on, so I just wanted to kind of scramble it. And then I got my final, I got a nail in the coffin for you guys. You're either going to love me or hate me. I know certain people will and certain people won't. So I'm excited to get into that one. But so, certain teams this weekend failed to impress me. Uh, The Raiders, the Broncos, the Panthers, they're starting to fall apart. I think the Raiders, we talked about it earlier, they're going to go through some turmoil this year with uh, John Gruden. The Bears, not the Bears, gosh. I actually think the Bears are actually doing pretty fine with Justin Fields. The uh, Raiders, the Broncos, there it is. Gosh, it's like my memory just fades from my existence. It's crazy. The Broncos are also starting to unimpress me. The Panthers, unfortunately, as if my roommate is listening, he's not really a sports 
fanatic, and I don't expect them to listen, but his gunslinger Sammy is starting to fall apart, and uh, I feel bad for him because I think the Panthers are a well-constructed team, well-constructed roster. It's just about finding that uh, balance, and with Sam Darnold, I think that sometimes when it's not all there for him, he starts to panic, and it showed against a really under, really, ugh, this Philadelphia Eagles team, that was not the team to lose to. Philadelphia's a mess. I don't think Jalen Hurts is the guy yet. He hasn't shown me enough. He shows me flashes at points. I just don't think he's very accurate with the football at times. I think he's a little erratic, holds onto the football a little too long. I think that he's a great dude, great story. It's just he's really not put it all together yet, and it's really frustrating because I really like him, and I really like his story. As for the Panthers, a well-constructed roster that's slowly falling apart, could they make a move for Deshaun Watson? We'll see. The whole Deshaun Watson thing is a whole other situation that we will not get into. I've already spoken enough controversy on this podcast to last me a lifetime, so we're not going to get into that. But maybe they go for a move. Maybe they go for a new QB. Maybe they go for the draft. Who knows? They have the capital for it. But I think they want to let the Sam Darnold experiment last a little longer just to kind of play it out and see how things work. But I'm really interested to see how these teams respond because especially with the Broncos and the Raiders, they play each other. We'll see who goes 4-2. and two. We'll see who goes 3-3. Three and three. Which team is more mentally tough? If I had to make a pick, it would be the Broncos just because of all that's happened with Teddy Bridgewater's success and his ability to be able to overcome adversity, and with the Raiders, they're a mess right now, not because of their roster. I think they're a really well-put-together roster, and I thought this was the year they were going to turn it around. It's just the situation. So I really want to get into, besides those failing teams, in my mind, after starting all 3-0, and I want to get into a team last year that, and a team usually that falls in the discussion, I really want to talk about Dallas. So let's, let's, pa- let's paint a picture for anyone who's been absent for the last couple months. So if you weren't aware last year, Dallas was a really bad football team. They were a well-constructed roster, new hire in Mike McCarthy, a lot of lofty expectations, goals were set, and not met. Dak Prescott had an unbelievable start to the season last year. It seemed like he was going to be the guy that carried Dallas through a weak division to the playoffs and potentially a run, and then he had the most gruesome injury you could imagine that set him aside. It was a rough 2020 for him, so they kind of just went through the motions for the rest of the season. Had Andy Dalton, they had uh, Ben DiNucci, they had a bunch of random faces, and of course, the media, the memes, they were preyed upon. They completely underwhelmed, they were not the roster that we thought they were. And so when you go to the offseason, there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of really a lot more questions than answers. And you find that an organization that has got so much, so much spotlight on them, they didn't panic. Jerry Jones, who, and Stephen Jones, who I think are very underrated sometimes in their business, they made some really, really great calls. And I think it started with the draft. Micah Parsons is an amazing football player. I've never seen a defensive player who's able to line up at so many different positions besides Isaiah Simmons and make impact, chaos. Micah Parsons' job each week is chaos. I I think the Dallas hit a home run on that pick. They hit a home run with CeeDee Lamb last year. They hit a home run with Trayvon Diggs. 
This is a team in Dallas that is the sum of their parts. They are a really good football team. And it might have just taken a really bad year to realize to just build that potential, build that kind of team. Because you got Dak, who's healthy, who's playing really well. Really great chemistry with his receivers. You have a two-back set, which I think Jacksonville tried to replicate with ETN, but we'll never know how it'll work because he got hurt with Pollard and Zeke. Zeke, who necessarily doesn't have the step he had when he was a rookie, is still pretty damn good. And Tony Pollard, who is a surprise, he's really freaking good. I think that you found a gem, diamond in the rough with this team. In a year where we can't stop talking about Matthew Stafford to the Rams, Tom Brady's dominance in Tampa, the drama with Aaron Rodgers, Dallas kept their mouth shut. They put their head down, even while the cameras were on them for HBO's Hard Knocks. They kept their head down, they silenced their critics, and they're currently sitting at 4-1, and one, and they look unstoppable. They beat a team in the Chargers, who I think is pretty darn good, who could be a Super Bowl contender, might be the best team in their division right now. They barely lost to the Super Bowl defending champions, and if I think they played again, Dallas would win 9 times out of 10. I think Dak Prescott's an MVP candidate. He continues to improve each game. They've beaten good teams, and they've taken care of business against teams they should beat. They haven't lost since Tampa. They haven't lost a step, and they continue to look more impressive each week. And not just on the offense. I think Dallas's missing identity last year was defense. They were giving up so many points each game. You come in and you make a smart hire with Dan Quinn, who is a much better coordinator, can manage that one side of the field, has really vastly improved the defense, the pass rush, they're getting into the quarterback. Trayvon Diggs and company, they're getting turnovers. They're shutting down certain sides of the field. You got Van Der Esch. You got a really interesting move where they let go of Jalen Smith. A distraction. Solving that a friend sent me that was a big Cowboys fan. Distraction. So they got him out. Smart move. You're going to pay for his dead cap, but a smart move in the short term. This is a team that believes they can win now and do big things. This team can continue to win out and continue to get better each week and build off of this momentum. There's no longer going to be a headline that says Mike McCarthy can't coach this team or Mike McCarthy can't manage the clock. If this team can just take care of business, they're going to easily win their division. This is a team that can compete with L.A. This is a team that can compete with Tampa, who has a weakness at corner. I think they're a team that can overwhelm a Rams team that potentially just can't cover everybody. Pollard out there in the receiver. You have CeeDee Lamb, Gallup, Cooper. This is a team that I'm very confident in. If I had to pick a Super Bowl favorite right now, I'd pick Dallas. And I just said it, and it feels great to get it off my chest because I've been thinking about it all weekend. And it's not because they just trounced a Giants team. It's that they trounced a Giants team that they should have trounced. They look very good. And I'm surprised, as just as surprised as you to say it. I know that they get memed the most on. I know that they get the most attention when it's not going very well, but the way they've handled themselves feels very professional. It feels very it feels very according to plan. It feels like they haven't also been figured out by anybody. They don't look like they've been off schedule. I love what I'm seeing from Dallas. They're one of my favorite teams to watch, and unfortunately, my Patriots have to play them this weekend, and they're probably going to get creamed because the Patriots have some problems. Not Mac Jones, just some problems with personnel, getting things figured out. I would love to say upset call. 
I saw this happening, but I think Dallas has got the advantage this weekend. On the other side, I think Buffalo will be the team they face. I think Kansas City's got a lot of problems to work out, especially in a year where you could list off many potential issues. This is just all in that Dallas range. You have Tampa, who has a corners issue. You have a team in Green Bay that potentially could combust at any moment with Aaron Rodgers, who I just, ah, I love Aaron Rodgers' talent, but good Lord, cannot stand this offseason. And it might be, he might be my Baker Mayfield with Colin Cowherd, is all I'm going to say. Um, I think you have with Kansas City a defense that can't stop a nosebleed. Wow, that sounds negative for me. But I think Kansas City's got a lot of problems they got to work out. Patrick Mahomes is forced to have to play catch-up each week, and that only will cause more turnovers. And Dallas is a team that's been feasting on those turnovers. you got a team in Buffalo that has not had the perfected pass rush. I think they Dallas could potentially, if they have to win a shootout, they can. But if they also want to just score 40 points, their defense is not going to lag behind and make Dak win it for them. And I think that's perfect. If they play at Jerry World, the NFC has to run through them. Take them to L.A. Take them to the Super Bowl. And that whoever AFC team they face, it's a remarkable achievement regardless. I am all in on Dallas this year. I think they're going to go to the Super Bowl. Whoever they play, we can talk about that when it comes. But they're my Super Bowl pick right now for the NFC. I think Buffalo or L.A. is my uh, AFC pick. And I know it's only been five weeks, but I feel so confident and I feel so good about this Dallas pick. I really, really do. Maybe I'm buying into the hype. Maybe I'm too much of an optimist. Maybe I really love Dak's story, but I love the Cowboys this year, and I really have a strong feeling about their chances. Maybe this bites me in the butt later. Maybe I'm an idiot, and they go four and they go under 500. Anything can happen. It's the NFL. We play on Sundays for a reason, but right now my pick would be the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC. To end the show, I want to start by talking about Lamar Jackson. I, for a long time, was a Lamar Jackson. I was a guy who was skeptical. I never really saw him as a true pocket passer. I never saw him as an impressive QB. I saw him as a one-trick pony that made a highlight play every other week and that the MVP season was just nobody could figure him out. I was very skeptical. And I think Monday night I've been proven wrong, and I'm going to stop this uh, slander, as they call it. I was really impressed with Lamar. And I, I was like, I can't not do this show now and not talk about Lamar Jackson and how fantastic he was. He was down 25-9, I believe it was, and had no choice but to throw. So they can't rely on their typical option offense, the RPOs. They had to win with Lamar's arm, and they won it against a really, really good Colts team. Not because of their record. I think their record is not indicative of what how they're not indicative of how really good they are. Their defense is really good. They got great players like Darius Leonard, DeForest Buckner. I just think they're trying to figure out what their identity is with Carson Wentz. Unfortunate loss. Maybe if Rodrigo Blankenship misses or makes that field goal, we're talking about a different story. But I really like the Ravens. They also might be one of my other Super Bowl teams. I really like the Ravens too. I think Lamar Jackson, I know he has been blocked because I was an arrogant teenager that said he was bad on an IG Live after a Clemson game. That's a story for another day. We might do a whole story on Grayson's fails in sports, and it might be really be fun for you guys, because no one likes a good story other... No one likes a good story more than I do, especially when it's about my own, like, 
just funny failures. And that's one of them. We'll save that for another time. Maybe 60 episodes in or 65 or 70, we'll do Grayson's Great Fails or The Man With No Plan. And we'll just do a whole blooper episode. Shout out to you, Victoria, for that idea. But I just wanted to get Lamar Jackson in there. I know I got a little off subject. I just wanted to appreciate how good he was on Monday and how good the Ravens have been taking down the Chiefs. His kryptonite. I just want to appreciate the Ravens. So, Hirsch, maybe you appreciate me now. <laughs> but anyways, guys, that was the Man With The Plan podcast, episode 53. We hope you enjoyed. As always, if you like what you've listened to, leave us a five-star review or subscribe for more content as we continue to grow our fan base, our listener base, and our audience. Guys, as always, thank you so much. Have a great week, and as always, take care. Take care.